Comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. One of the most common conditions to affect adults is one that is least talked about, symptomatic hemorrhoids. And joining us to give us the ins and outs is colorectal surgeon and chief of surgery for the Baltimore region of MedStar Health, Dr. David Stein. I'm your host, Mike Shu. Welcome to Doc Talk, and thank you for being with us, Dr. Stein. Thank you for having me, Mike. Um, the 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 in and out. Uh, yeah, I got part, it. Yeah, I got it. It's great. Right. It's great. Yeah, you know, it's easy to make jokes, but it, it's 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 a thing that people just don't like to talk about. Um, I'm sure that our audience, if they made it this far, they understand we're going to talk about hemorrhoids, and so they're they're on board. Um, but it does make us uh, uncomfortable in real life, and it's uncomfortable to talk about. So, um, so right about at this time, I think your sphincter tone is tightening. It is. You can hear it in my voice too, can't you? <laughs> the the stats are, I guess, three or four of adults will develop some issues with their hemorrhoids, and I, I hate to ask the most obvious question first: What is a hemorrhoid, and how common are they? You have the floor. All right. So everybody has hemorrhoids. We are born with them. Two arms, two legs, three hemorrhoids. It's part three. Of three. All right. It's part of the normal anatomy in the pelvis. Basically, if you think about pooping, which I do all the time, as you're going to go to the bathroom and you're trying to, you have the urge to go and you're trying to evaluate, am I in a safe space? Am I going to make it to the bathroom? Am I going to, is it gas? Is it stool? Our sphincter complex holds everything in. Yes. But the sphincter is a circular muscle. And to fill the gap, to make sure nothing leaks out, we were all born with hemorrhoids. And they're little cushions that almost work like ball valves to help keep everything safe and secure inside until the moment comes where you're in a restroom or something. It needs like to be that. outside. Exactly. So, I mean, when, when people hear the word hemorrhoids, they, they automatically assume that it is uh, something uh, wrong, negative. But hemorrhoid in its natural, perfectly working state is just something that we have, but we just don't think about it. Absolutely yeah. right. So how did, then did you get into this? So it's, it's a weird question, right? Who wants to be a proctologist or a colorectal surgeon? But I really wanted to be an expert in a certain area. And I love the gastrointestinal tract. Really, my wheelhouse is Crohn's disease, ulcerative right. colitis, colon cancer. But a big part of it is hemorrhoids, colonoscopies, and some of the other stuff. And when you get into things like fecal incontinence, there's a lot that goes on. It affects everybody. Your outcomes are a mix of happy, like I cure a hemorrhoid patient and they're great, versus like it's serious, somebody with cancer, somebody with fecal incontinence after a childbirth injury. So it's a really nice mix of cases, but it's, I also don't feel like I'm overwhelmed with the amount of information I have to keep up. There you go. You could be an expert in something and enjoy it yeah. and help people's lives. Yeah. And you can also toggle your life, meaning you can be an endoscopist and just do scopes all day, or you can be doing these big cancer cases, or you can mix, or as right. you get older and you want to slow down, you can pick one versus the other. So it's really a great field. Colorectal surgeons tend to be very happy people. Do they? They do. Because you mean- We don't take ourselves too seriously, number one, <laughs> well, what we do for a living, right? I think number two, it's really, we get to know our patients a little bit better than a lot of other surgical specialties. Because you do form with the Crohn's patients, with the ulcerative colitis patients, with cancer patients, a long-standing relationship- and then you have the little pieces like the hemorrhoids or infections or things called anal fissures. I have a great story about that too. Who doesn't want to hear an anal fissure, fissure story? story. So, yeah, I'm going to throw my sister under the bus on this one. When you have siblings 
and one mm-hmm. chooses to be a colorectal surgeon, let's just say there's sibling commentary mm-hmm. on career choice. Yeah. And you go through the years at all the family barbecues and things like that. Pfft, look at you, you know, oh, are we eating the right red meat? Ha. Anyway, I get a call from my sister one night. I am so sorry about making fun of you. I go, oh, what's going on? Because <laughs> I knew right away there was something. And so an anal fissure is a little cut in the skin. It's excruciatingly painful. Right. And it's hard to get better. And there's all these different things. But like you really, again, improve someone's quality of life and it's instant. It's very gratifying. So, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So how common? What, what are we talking about here? So we're talking about about 300,000 symptomatic hemorrhoid cases a year end up having procedures done. Yes. It's a big 300,000. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you take adults, so you're talking, like you mentioned, three out of four people will have had an episode in their lifetime of seeing blood when they wipe on toilet tissue, having a little bit of pain after they were constipated, um, hygienic issues after birth. Yes. Those are sort of the most common things. And the weightlifters who squat, I would say that's, that's a whole separate population, but anything that causes bearing down with excessive force will send excess blood to the pelvis. And remember, these are little blood vessels. So when you're sending the blood that way, they get swollen. When they get swollen, they cause problems. Fair enough. Um, earlier we said in and out, uh, from what my understanding is, which is marginal. And that's why we have you here. Uh, there, there's a difference between internal hemorrhoids and external. Correct. Please elaborate. Yeah. So going back to the analogy before of the sphincter and keeping things inside, those are the inside hemorrhoids. And then right at the outer opening are the outside hemorrhoids. Again, normal anatomy. They're little blood vessels that are there. Symptomatic inside hemorrhoids. That's burning. Uh, that's when you see blood when you wipe. That's sometimes they'll actually prolapse, which is a word for they actually come out. Okay. And, and in extreme situations, people can't even push them back in. So those are really severe. That doesn't happen. Three out of four people. That's a good thing. External hemorrhoids, much more common in pregnancy, especially postpartum with the delivery. Think about how mm-hmm. much blood is in the pelvis with the uterus and the baby and everything. Um, and th- that's also the weightlifters. That is usually severe excruciating pain because basically the vessel pops. So there's so much pressure in the external hemorrhoid that it pops. So it bleeds into your skin. So it's almost just like a stretching of very sensitive skin, which is why it hurts so much. So you can have inter you can have a problem internally and you might not really know there's much of a problem until you would see blood, which of course would freak out. So there's blood like, Ooh, I yeah. wiped and I saw a little spot <clears throat> of something and 99% of the population ignores it. Um, and then there's blood like, oh my God, I'm bleeding. Right. Right. And hemorrhoids can do both. They yes. can a little bit and they can cause more bleeding. So usually, usually the minor bleeding, nobody really pays attention to. And I used to joke around that I'd see somebody in the office who would say rectal bleeding and then they would no show the appointment. And it's like, oh. They'll be on in two, three weeks because two, three weeks later, they're on again, but they no-show. Eventually, they come because they see it. "Ah, It's once. It'll go away. doesn't go away. Keeps coming. Keeps coming. So as we talk about this, though, there are cases where it, it, it will go away. So- why do people develop symptomatic hemorrhoids? Uh, I like how you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. you should be the host. It's good. You, you answer the questions <laughs> and you ask Mike. them too. Yes. <laughs> how do you feel inside and out? About? Um, so why do people develop hemorrhoids? Most commonly, 
there is a lack of dietary fiber in their diet. That's it. That's the most common and, and, reason. But let's let's break that down before we move on. Dietary fiber means what? What are they? What what are they? What are they missing? Uh, plants, nuts, whole grains. They go to they eat too much fast food. They're eating meats. Yeah, you're eating, eating on the go. You're grabbing a snack. You're grabbing a well, chicken and because sandwich. the food industry is so good at making everything so tasty without and any fiber and convenient and, and cheap that it's it's easy where we live to have a bad diet. Correct, and people do, and all the time. Yeah, and, and that's not just little digression and diverticulosis, other diseases that occur. It's also because of a lack of dietary fiber. And it's not that you don't get any fiber, you don't get enough. So if you start looking at fiber content, you know, right. a, a bowl of cereal. Yeah. Oh, that has grains in it. Whole grain Cheerios. Yeah. It's like two, three grams. An adult male should be getting 25 to 30 grams. The USDA recommends actually 35. I don't know anybody who does that. Uh, women a little bit less. That seems, I don't know what that, but compared to you just said a bowl of Cheerios, two or three, and you want us to do 25, that seems like a lot. So where, where would they where should they pick that up from? What? Where should where do, they, or where is it easy to in our world? Dealer's choice. Okay. So they should be having salads, berries, fruits, nuts. Again, more expensive for the yeah. average person to constantly do that. Fresh produce is expensive. Can't always get it. Yeah. You know, nuts are a fortune. Um, yeah. Easiest, uh, fiber one, snack yeah. bars, uh, kind, Right. Like if you start looking at the ingredients in all of these things, I can kind of do this. Like I can tell you a fiber one snack bar, <clears throat> nine grams of fiber, a kind dark nut and sea salt. That's actually <laughs> my favorite is seven grams. Gluten free. And right. Or you can buy powder, Citrusel, Metamucil, right. No brand, store brand, Rite Aid. Uh, the powders are about three grams a scoop. Pills are about 500 milligrams. I never recommend fiber pills. There's not enough. It's just, right. Then a fiber, you can sprinkle on salads and other food. So people do that. Um, and, and that is really a good preventative. Yeah. Just to make, just to uh, throw a scoop or two of the powder in. If you think of fiber and what it actually does, dietary fiber, it doesn't get digested in our system. Food that we eat enters the stomach. Yes. Everything gets broken down. Fiber doesn't get broken down. It stays and it serves as what we call a bulking agent mm -hmm. so that the stool in and of itself gets a little bulkier, but it's not hard. So you're not constipated with it. So if you think about the hemorrhoids, which are trying to fill in the space and keep everything closed with a bulky soft stool, they don't have to work harder because mm -hmm. the stool sort of occupying the space. Well, that was my next question. What does the fiber do? And I think you did, you, you did just, just explain I just, it. Yeah. So basically um, think of it as a spongy material. Yeah. That absorbs water. So it's always good to drink your six to eight glasses of water, especially if you're taking a lot of fiber, because otherwise it'll be a dry sponge in your system, which you mm -hmm. don't want. Not so much. But then the fiber sponge is basically creates a, what people would call a normal looking bowel movement. I know everybody obsesses over, I had a normal bowel movement, but, but a formed, not too hard, not too soft bowel movement, which, you know, Goldilocks would be proud, just, you know, um, <laughs> That being said, that takes the strain away from the hemorrhoids who are trying to like, oh, it's diarrhea because you drank too much or had too much fried food. Then they work overtime. But then, oh, you're really constipated. So you're bearing down and sending the excess blood flow. Now the hemorrhoids are working overtime. Now, does that idea of bulking up on the fiber work post hemorrhoid treatment? Is that also something you sometimes? So, so my algorithm. Yes. Straight up. 
is if you come to see me, no matter what your symptoms are, for the most part, for internal hemorrhoids, I start you on fiber. Right I will not touch anything or do anything as a formal treatment, surgical, non-surgical, et cetera, except fiber up front. I think, number one, it's important to see what that does for your system. Yeah. Number two, about 40 to 50% of people will get better. Maybe not perfect, but if your spotting of blood happens once every three months, and then it was bleeding a lot, so you came to see me, and then you go back to spotting of blood once every three months, that's okay. Look, I'm not anti-big pharma, but how good is that, that there is a easy, cheap, reliable, over-the-counter method to cure or at least mitigate a really big problem? I mean, I, I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, know, I do. Yeah. Um, for the vast majority of patients, it's the front lines and it, and you know, first line of treatment and it works. Are they amazed sometimes? Like, well, why yeah, didn't anybody tell me this before? And it's like, yeah, this is good. And why didn't anybody tell me this? And some of times I think also, and uh, not to disparage my fellow colleagues, but they don't explain it to the degree where somebody gets it's like they prescribe Metamucil. And right. it's a medicine. So sort of it's creating a partnership in care and it's getting people to understand. Right. I can't take a Metamucil powder. I tried. Right. I can't like I can you do personally. snack bars. Yeah. Me personally, I can do snack bars. I can't do the other stuff. I can't take pills. I can't take the powder. I can't remember to take Benafiber and sprinkle it on my sandwich. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. But you know what? I snack. And yeah. so instead of snacking. You're good at that. Yeah, I'm very good at that. And yeah. instead of having Oreos, <laughs> right? Yeah. Almost no fiber. Um, I'll have a kind bar, which is my go-to now. But for a while I did fiber one. I play around. I tried the Luna bars, but I didn't like the taste. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cliff bars, ironically, don't have as much fiber as some of the others. And you would think it's all like this organic stuff. It should. But so just look at the ingredients. Whatever you like snacking on, start looking at the ingredients. And and you'll be amazed. And buy it in bulk. And buy it in bulk. You get that? You get get the bulk? Yeah, yeah, yes. Just jokes here. Yes. Um, Well, that's really good. I I do want to say, since I've not used these products, the the idea of the powder, though you can't tolerate it, how is it supposed to be ingested? Yeah, so you take a scoop of the powder, mix it in water in the morning. A lot of them have an orange flavor. Yeah, it it has a little velvety texture, so Mm. it's not like a drink. It has substance but it's not like the colonos no 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 no, not at all no it's it's not bad it's just like uh, yeah um, metamucil citrusel um all pharmacies have their own brand there's a cvs brand and it it doesn't really matter no it really doesn't the two big products are active ingredients are psyllium husks yeah plant-based just psyllium and methyl cellulose and should everybody be doing this or if you don't have a problem everybody should be doing just period yeah just go ahead unless you're like know exactly what you're ingesting every day in terms of your meals and you're organized that way, I would say most average adults should just be having a fiber supplement. Yeah. I've done enough diet research to know that most of us are not yeah. doing necessarily what we should be doing. Okay. So now um, someone presents himself to you and they have, I don't know if there is such a thing, a typical hemorrhoid problem. Yeah, go. there is. Okay, doc, go. Right. So different types of presentation. Most common is just painless bleeding. They're seeing a lot of blood and not just like a little spot. There's dripping. The toilet tissue is getting soaked. Even if they're not hurting, right? they're seeing this. And usually, oh my God, I have cancer. That's like usually the first thing to someone's mind. Um, most of the time, that kind of bleeding, the bright red blood is not. Most of the time, it's hemorrhoids. If you're of age, <laughs> 45 or older, yes, you do need to get a colonoscopy or a cologuard or some sort of test to make sure you don't mm-hmm. have colon cancer. But most of the time it's hemorrhoids. If you're a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, and we see hemorrhoids, we don't worry about that other right. workup. 
in that scenario, fiber failed. Let's assume that we didn't, you know, hey, go go for it, you know, fiber one cereal and it's not working. Then we start talking about intervention. And I tend to go from least painful, least invasive to mm-hmm. we'll call it maximally surgical. And so the simplest, and it's been around since the late 60s, is called ligation, rubber band ligation. And we could do it in the office where basically you're there, but we look at the hemorrhoids through a little scope and we apply a little rubber band on the hemorrhoid and it sort of chops off the hemorrhoid and over a week or two, it falls off. That's it. That's pretty much it. Simple. Simple, straightforward, uncomfortable, but not painful. Right. Well, right? hold it's, on. What do you mean uncomfortable, not painful? You mean just uncomfortable to be feel, there? So the, like when you put the rubber band on, yeah, uh, you know, someone's, you almost feel like you have the urge to go. There's something sure. there. You're not quite comfortable, but you're not like sitting there. Oh my God, what did you do to me? Right. Okay. All right. Fair. Right. And those work. Uh, um, purely for rectal bleeding. And that's, that's an internal or external. That's only internal. That, that's we internal. We haven't even started talking about yeah, it. Yeah. Whole other, so we're only in the internal space. A whole space. other chapter to go yeah. through. So on the internal space, um, painless bleeding. Because remember, external hemorrhoids don't bleed. They swell. Oh. Right? And they cause pain. The internal sure. hemorrhoids bleed. So the, to, to, to skip around a little bit. So all of the, 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 I remember as a kid going, Mom, what's preparation H and why are they talking about it so funny? All of that stuff with the tux internal. and the preparation, that's all internal. Yeah. Once it's external, there's really there's not, not much. There's do. no over-the-counter anything you're no. And, and, and the external people are trying to get in to see you as soon, soon as they possibly can, as they possibly because they are can. in excruciating pain. Yeah. I got to see the doc now. I'm sure yeah. you're the screeners are the people who take the calls and set yeah. the appointments or yeah. they can tell the difference just in their voice. Yeah. yeah. Those are the patients. When you walk in, they're standing up. Oh, right. You can always look at my world. Uh, no, seriously, are doc, you sitting you on one cheek or are you sitting on two cheeks? Are you standing or are you sitting? But right. that's These are all important. things that I'm no, looking that's at important. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I can tell right away. Paint like, a picture. Oh, you have. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's something. Do people, do they have a hesitancy to call? Because they're either not a lot. Some people, you know, they're private. They don't want to talk. I mean, I'm sure the people who are still listening to us now have, have gone through some, do I really want to continue to listen to this? But I mean, I'm sure that some people, they, it's like a train wreck. Yeah. They don't want to admit it. They don't want to, they don't want to, I don't know. They think it'd go away. Yeah. Which is why most people, when it's something like bleeding, yeah, don't worry about it. Like they, they'll think about it. They may even make that appointment. But then they're going to cancel the appointment because really, do I want to go and talk about this to anybody? Uh, right. No, I get it. Like, it's fine. Right. Um, that's why I have a therapist. Um, <laughs> but in reality, over time, if it's persistent, people get nervous. And then you got to separate just the somebody who's otherwise healthy who sees blood. Let's say you're on a blood thinner for one reason or another. Then you bleed a lot. And then it becomes, you know, the hemorrhoid can be life threatening if your blood is thin because somebody has a valve or had a history of stroke sure. or something like that, those patients are usually really good about calling and coming in because they know. Yeah. Um, but I would say the, the average otherwise healthy adult will have a bunch of episodes before they call. Yeah. They have to reach that threshold. Yeah. We're like, yeah, I really do need to do something. Versus the external, which is, which is I'm in, I can't sleep. I can't move. I can't walk. I need help. Do you set aside a percentage of the of available appointments just because you know you're going to have a certain number? We just number kind of, of squeeze everybody in. Yeah, that's kind of like we okay. Don't worry. Yeah, it's just like you call, you're in that kind of pain. Just come in. Yeah, we'll fi- we'll we'll work. We'll figure in. it out. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Okay, so we where I digressed was we were still in internal. You use the rubber band. Um, Hemorrhoid falls off. Seventy percent of people don't have bleeding anymore. Life is but great. for internal, there are occasionally where you still have to. Now you have to pull out your surgeon skills. So 
the internal hemorrhoids are graded one through four. One is just that painless bleeding we described. Sure. Two is when the hemorrhoids actually prolapse. So as you bear down and you're wiping, you actually feel something large in the, and those are the swollen right. hemorrhoids that are there. They've come down from inside. They're trying to get out. They're trying to escape. But grade two, when you're done with your bowel movement, they go back. Like, ah, oh, we were thinking about it, but now we're going back. <laughs> grade three, we came out, we're there, and it's like, you got to go back in. So you manually, with your hand or your toilet paper, have to push them back in. Grade four, they're out. They're yeah. not going back in. Yeah. So again, depending on the personality of the person, it sort of drives how quickly they seek help. Right. So if you're pretty like, yeah, it comes out, whatever. I've had this since I'm 12. Nobody cares. Right. right? Pretty comfortable. Somebody else who's never had it. And all of a sudden they're more constipated and they have burning and discomfort and they're swollen and they feel this thing. It's like, Oh my God. And then they come in. So there's a threshold, right. but, but I think everybody's a little bit different. Banding is really good at the painless bleeding. When you're starting to have prolapse and the hemorrhoids are coming out and staying out, then the hemorrhoids are so big, it's hard to get a rubber band on. And that's when we escalate to the next level of care. Which is surgery. Which is surgery. And there are different types of surgery. Um, for just internal hemorrhoids, I, my preferred mode of choice is called Doppler-guided ligation. Mm-hmm. Remember the hemorrhoids are blood vessels. So we have a little, you go to sleep. So this is under anesthesia. So you don't have to worry about this one, but basically I listen for a signal like there, there are arteries. The hemorrhoidal mm-hmm. plexus is full of uh, the superior hemorrhoidal artery. So you listen for the anybody who's had a Doppler knows there's that sound. Um, and then we actually stitch the hemorrhoid vessel. Mm. The blood flow goes away. The hemorrhoid shrinks, no cutting. So less pain. Take, it's like a rubber banding on steroids, directed rubber banding right at the vessel. Basically, instead of just taking the excess tissue, we're actually stitching the blood vessel closed. Right. That, that's where I go next. If the hemorrhoids are so big or they're grade four and they're prolapsing and they're not going back in or they're grade three and they're ginormous, you can't do that either because you can't. It's not going to help. Right. And that's when you have the classic excisional hemorrhoidectomy, which many patients who come to the office, that's what they want. Like they, I just want these gone. I've had them. They're driving me crazy. I want them gone. And it's like, yeah, but you're going to, this is painful. Like it's a painful area. It's a sensitive area. So excision does hurt for it's very effective for how long. So I tell every one of my patients, I will give you a picture of me and some darts (laughs) and you can fling the darts at me. First three to five days are brutal. Are you smiling in the picture or not? I am just looking stern right at you. Right. And then over the next two weeks, each day gets slightly better. Right now you can function. Uh, this is a true story. And I had a patient who had a very similar issue who did a lot of talk shows. Celeb- not quite a celebrity, but was called on when something would happen nationally and weigh in and opine. Sure. And had a window where they were taking time off and we did the procedure. And then four days later, I got a call saying that she had to go on this national talk show. I thought you were blocking. Yeah, but there was some event and they needed my expertise. I go, how'd it go? She goes, I was probably grumpier than usual, but I did fine. It's like, good. <laughs> okay. Good. Right. So, so you, you can, can function. function. Yeah. But it hurt. Like you're uncomfortable. So you right. get grumpy. But in, in that case, a patient like that, they know, they, they see, they see the, the finish the line. Time. Yeah. They know what the payoff's going to be. Right. And, and they're willing to tolerate that. And they've, they've dealt with pain for a right. long it's time. Just, 
different, right? So yeah. it's a different kind of, this is acute pain. It, it's happened. It's there in the beginning all the time. It's not just when you have a bowel movement and then it fades. And this by three months later, it's like, this is the best thing ever. Like, I'm so happy I did this. So those are the internals that become external, but are, are there, but, and there's not a different kind of external, external. No. So the external, okay. external, right. <laughs> um, the ones that thrombose bleed in, swell, the blood forms clots everywhere. Uh, those usually that's the acute pain. Right. And then we just, we just excise them in the office. Oh yeah. You're in so much pain that it's, there are many things in life where, you know, you're thinking about what should you do or not do and how will somebody react to me? I, anybody I've done right. An excisional in the office thrombose hemorrhoid is a friend for life. <laughs> they will stop you on the street. They'll stop me. And so thanks. Thanks again. Right. It's that painful. And so you really get them better instantly. Wow. And it still hurts for a while. It still hurts, but you but were, when matter. you're starting off, you know, if, if a pain scale is 10 out of 10 pain, right. Yeah, and you're yeah. 20 out of 10 and you drop them to a five out of 10 yeah. immediately. They're happier. Sure. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is, that is one of those events that occurs. Now the key with that is that really that's most effective in the first 72 hours from onset of pain. Yeah. Because after that, as much as I would like to excise things, because I'm a surgeon, the blood clots are already starting to soften. And so the stretch is going away. And, and then your pain is no longer the 20 out of 10 or 10 out of 10. It's already a 7 out of 10. So doing something will make it a 5 out of 10. So then the risk benefit yeah. is not quite there. So if you saw me like 5, 10 days sure. later and your pain is improving, I usually say it's just going to keep improving. Don't worry about it. Good. And then they, do they change their diet temporarily? They do. And then they probably go back to whatever it was. Oh, I just mean, do they change their diet like a post-surgery no. diet? No, there's no such. No. Fiber. Sure. My fiber. high fiber diet. You know, you, 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 we've, we've, we've tackled a tough subject, at least for most <laughs> of us. I know it's not for you very well. I, I love your frankness and your honesty and your great stories. And I think the main takeaway that I got from this, at least is Take fiber, 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 fiber. Yeah. But you do need a colonoscopy regardless for colon cancer screening. Exactly. Okay. You've been delightful. Thank you very much for joining us. We've been talking with Dr. David Stein, Regional Director of Surgery for MedStar Health in Baltimore. Uh, Dr. Stein, thank you for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. Learn more about our approach to treating hemorrhoids by visiting medstarhealth.org backslash hemorrhoid treatment.